to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Beaky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Linfield. Hello, Ryan. Mr. Guy Halford. Parrish. And Mr. Lee Price. Hello. Let's get on with the show. Keith, you're doing your weird news. Oh, you, you, I, could have, <laughs> I could have been prepared. I've got, I've got an app on my phone that I could have done with this. Oh, which, which one shall I load up? Okay. We are a professional podcast. <laughs> it just sounds like a professional podcast. Please it isn't hold. Really. Please, Please hold. hold. Your, your, your listening is important <laughs> to us. Uh, it's very important to He's us. He's playing with a piano. It's not a piano. It's a, it's a synthesizer, but I might have it. I, was, I thought you was hoping it's for a different P word than... Weird news. Well, we've reached <laughs> 70s BBC production values. What the hell We're getting there, people. <laughs> Radiophonic workshop in full effect there. Right, I have four weird news stories for you this week. Only four. Only four. Uh, from CNN Entertainment, Russell Crowe got drunk and bought a dinosaur head from Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> How is that weird? For, for a second, I thought you were going to say from a museum. Uh, <laughs> that would have been even better. From 7news.com.au, man who thought he bought his first house furious after it turned out to be a 13 centimetre strip of land. <laughs> <laughs> the way you made that, it didn't sound like what it was going to end up being. Uh, from Vanity Fair, thousands of Christians demand Netflix cancel a show it does not air. Yeah, that's a good story. I about this one, yeah. And the final one is God killed Ed Pastor because he supported light rail claims, light rail opponent. The, 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 what was the first one? Uh, Russell Crowe bought Dinosaur Head from Leonardo. Oh, there's, two, there's, some good, there's some good bloody stories here. I think go the Dinosaur Head one first. I quite want to hear that. Cause I want, the, the land one really made me laugh, so I want to build up to that one. So Russell Crowe got drunk and bought a Dinosaur Head from Leonardo DiCaprio. CNN Entertainment, this is by Marianne Garvey. Okay, I've got questions already, yes. based on the headline alone. So, why did, okay, why did he buy it? And also, why did Leonardo DiCaprio already own it? <laughs> Rich movie stars spend money exactly how you'd think they would. Brilliant. Russell Crowe, for instance, dropped $35,000 on a dinosaur head he saw sitting on display in Leonardo DiCaprio's house. Just like that. I bought it for my kids and, you know, cut myself a little bit of slack here. There was a bunch of vodka involved in the transaction and it happened to be at Leonardo's house, Crew told Howard Stern Wednesday on his Sirius XM satellite show. Hold up, was this actually a transaction or did he actually steal it from Leonardo <laughs> Maybe he stole it and then had to pay some compensation money. <laughs> Look, I gave him vodka and then just left with the dinosaur head. Why is Russell Crowe being invited to Leonardo DiCaprio's party? I don't know. Because they're all Hollywood stars, aren't they? How so, big was this head? I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so you were drinking at Leonardo's house, you guys were having a fun night, and you said to Leonardo, gee, this is a fantastic dinosaur head. I mean, like, uh, uh, like, that is a sentence <laughs> you know, a lot of people have said to each other, gee, that's a fantastic dinosaur head. <laughs> no, I think you start the conversation, he's got like this, I've got this one, but there's another one coming on the market that I really want, so I'm trying to sell this one off. And then I said, well, I'll buy it. And I said, how much do you want for it? He was pretty cool about it. He said, 
Just give me what I paid for it. I think he paid 30, 35 grand for it. He's been mugged off by DiCaprio here. <laughs> like, DiCaprio's just been like, I get these on the cheap. They're like, uh, yeah, like 50 quid a pop. That Russell Crowe, get me a fortune for it. He didn't remember what kind of dinosaur it was, but in 2018, he sold it through Sotheby's Australia in an auction designed to pay for his divorce called Russell Crowe, The Art of Divorce. Hang on a minute. This is something to do with John Oliver. John Oliver's involved in hitting this somehow. The mounted skull is of a mosasaur that the auction house describes as a fossil relative of the monitor lizard family, which includes the Komodo dragon. The mosasaur was a giant serpentine marine reptile which lived prevalent during the late Cretaceous period, approximately 65 million years ago. Mosasaurs were formidable hunters with a double hinged jaw and a this flexible boring. skull, <laughs> enabling them to eat their prey whole. I think it's almost doubled in value since I sold it, Crow told Stern. He then saw what he thought. Thought of giant dinosaur head would be worth much more than that. It's not a very popular dinosaur, Crow quipped, explaining he was really thinking of his kids that even if, if even if he was smashed when he purchased the fossil. Like, like what? What are you kids going to do with a giant dinosaur head? It's not like they put it on. What is the point? What is the point? DiCaprio, why did you buy it? Crow, why did you inherit it? Like, it's, everything about the story is ridiculous. People with too much money. I love DiCaprio, but there's too much money kicking around here. The actor was on the show to promote his new Showtime series, The Loudest Voice in the Room, which repays former Fox News boss Roger Ailes. Stern called, his Stern called his performance in the show mind-blowing, and then underneath it, in brackets, it's got paid content, which means they were paid to publish this article about a dinosaur <laughs> To promote that Russell Crowe has a new show starring on Fox News. <laughs> starting on Showtime. Wow. wow. Oh, so it was the Land Baron one then. Do we want the uh, Christians and Netflix first? Yes. Yeah, so no, right. let's end on the Christians and Netflix. Okay. So we are we having the God killed light rail pastor? No, nah, Land Baron. I, I say the, Land Baron. The, the, the man who bought a furious house. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from sevennews.com.au. Nice short little website from there. Legit. And, and the article writer is apparently digital staff, which sounds like a wizard from a cyberpunk <laughs> game. Digital staff. Jesus. So that's an intern. <laughs> Man who thought he bought first house furious, as it turns out to be thirty centimeters of land. We have a red arrow picture. My favorite type of weird news story picture, which is where a red arrow points to something with no actual description of what it is. Right. So he bought a strip of land on somebody's garden. Yeah. Is it the grass verge in the middle? Yeah. That's not even 30 centimetres. That's bigger than 30 centimetres. It's it's the grass strip between two other people's driveways. How did he indulge in this purchase? If you're feeling a bit anxious about buying your first property, take some comfort in knowing you'll probably do better than this bloke. Is it genuinely written like that? That is amazing. You can tell this is an Australian website. It's a bloke. South Florida man, Kerville Holness. Sorry, sorry. Kerville Holness is his name. Kerville Holness is in Bob Holness. Kerville Holness. Brilliant. Is he related to Bob? Anyway. A first-time auction bidder thought he'd got an absolute steal left for his $13,000 bid when an online auction. $13,000? Christ on a bike. Unfortunately for old Kerville, his villa turned out to be a strip of land measuring 30 centimetres by 30 metres. It's only actually worth $72. <laughs> <laughs> 
What a fool. The oh, strip... haze prices, you can't. <laughs> the strip runs down the driveway of two adjoining villas and extends under the mutual wall separating the properties. Adding insult to injury, the official said there's not much you can do about it now. <laughs> Were the other two bidders the people that lived either side of the strip? I, I sure Probably, yeah. If I'm vindictive enough, I can cut right through the garage wall and the home to get my airspace. Well, what use would that be to me? Ominous told the sensible. <laughs> <laughs> it's deception. There is no demarcation to show you it's just the line going through the villa duplex, even though they had the tools to show that. Holness said the property appraiser linked to the auction showed the villa being on a parsley made the bid on, but the newspaper said the appraiser site and information on the county tax site showed no building value. You should just build a fence on that land and annoy both sides. <laughs> or just have like a tent on there. Like... <laughs> There's an updated article apparently. Oh gosh. How a man, th- what's this? Update. How a man who thought he'd snagged a barney villa wound up with a 30 centimetre strip of lamp. Same stuff, same stuff. The strip starts at the curb and runs down a driveway of two adjoining villas. We've already had that. Da, 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 da. A Ray White real estate spokeswoman has in- explained the intricacies of such a sale to 7news.com.au. She said the plot of the council-owned land would have been first auctioned off to the two neighbouring villas. It's not uncommon, it's a, she said, for the homeowners to try and extend their property by a few square metres to add more value. However, Holner swooped in and most likely out. <laughs> <laughs> what a oh, that is fantastic! That is absolutely imagine like the homeowners are sat there. He's sat in the middle of them. They're like, I'm bidding this much. I'm bidding this much. I'm bidding, and he just goes straight. They're like this much and sold, and then everybody's just genuinely confused. And he sat there, like, yes. Yeah, Holner swooped in and most likely outbid the neighbors in an attempt to snatch a bargain instead of being left with this measly strip of land. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like the idea as well, though, that just this <laughs> tiny strip of land can increase your house value that much. Yeah. When, if you buy it on its own, it's worthless. She said, as the spokesman said, it's common for small plots to be sold by the council once they've served their purpose. For most, it's land that's been used to cover piping, which has since been made redundant. But a map with the dimension of the land is always included in the contract. And the oversight said the spokesman falls on wholeness and shoulders alone. <laughs> <laughs> it is unclear what he will do with his villa but he seems stuck with it for the time being and then it's got Australian Connection as a stub heading last November a council in the regional New South Wales city of Tamworth bringing it back to local <laughs> auctioned off a tucked away laneway for $60,000 five homes backyards extended onto the laneway but it wasn't any of the five homeowners who bought the plot instead the new owner was a third party who wanted to build units the shop purchase devalued surrounding homes by thousands of dollars. I'd love it if it was the same guy who bought that tiny strip of land. Just eventually he'll grow and en- he'll buy enough small bits of land around around Australia that he might be able to put it together to say he owns this much land. Do you, do you want to know what recommended stories are under this article? Can I just point out that like thirty centimeters is bait is the size of a vinyl record sleeve, <laughs> so he could stack up all his vinyl and then it's a thirty centimeter by thirty meter long space. <laughs> Um, recommended articles for this too much phone use is causing humans to grow horn like bones from their skulls that's crap dad shouldn't be free for killing family sorry dad dad shouldn't be free for killing family wow (laughs) that took a dark that's that's a jump that's a jump Salim Mahaya fusses over wardrobe in police arrest vision brilliant (laughs) 
Wait's right for bush caviar in battle. Oh, give some, give it, give us yeah. some Christians. Yeah, that is a broken algorithm right there. <laughs> that is a very broken <laughs> algorithm. How is that anyway related? Okay, from Vanity Fair by Laura Bradley. Thousands of Christians demand that Netflix cancel a show it does not air. A Christian group that once protested about blasphemous ice cream now demands that Netflix acts good omens, which it believes constitutes another step to making Satanism appear normal, light, and acceptable. The problem with good omens is an Amazon Prime series. Mm-hmm. Some mistakes are simply too beautiful to have happened by accident, too comical to be explained by anything other than divine intervention. See, for instance, a recent petition from a Christian group calling on Netflix to cancel good omens, which the group considers another step to make Satanism appear normal, light, and acceptable. The problem is, of course, Netflix does not air Good Omens. It is an Amazon Prime series. <laughs> Amazon Studios adapted Good Omens from Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's 1990 fantasy novel. The series stars Michael Sheen as an angel and David Tennant as a demon, with the two joining forces to stop the impending apocalypse. The Guardian reported on Thursday that the petition had gained more than 20,000 signatures by the time of writing, <laughs> although the pages now seem to either stopped functioning or have been taken down. The Guardian quoted the petitioners voicing concern that the show mocks God's wisdom and questioned why a woman was allowed to voice God in the first place. Francis McDormand plays God in the TV series. This type of video makes light of the truth error, good and evil, and that destroys the barriers of horror that society still has for the devil. Gaiman has already responded to the petition on Twitter and said he's not going to lose any sleep about it. <laughs> I love that they're writing to Netflix to try and get Good Omens cancelled, he wrote. Says it all really. He later added, this is so beautiful, promise you won't tell them. And I, I love that Netflix have responded to it as well. By saying they're not going to make any more. <laughs> yeah, they said they're not going to make any more. Enough. They've, they've conceded yeah. to the demands <laughs> yeah. of the uh, crazy. Yes. As The Guardian has noted behind, these, behind this effort, a group called Return to Order also once petitioned a blasphemous ice cream flavor franchise called Sweet Jesus. Other blasphemous things the groups have protested in the past is Office Christmas Party, Jesus Bath Mats, and Toilet Covers. The AMC show... Film Office Christmas Party. Brilliant. (laughs) The AMC show Preacher, and of course, Cards Against Humanity. Hopefully it's an inevitable next crusade, at least correct. It's the correct target. Well, Sounds bit... like they haven't watched Dogma, which is probably a good idea. Well, we're yeah. a bit stuffed because I said Christ on the bike earlier. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And we're going to have the show cancelled. And also, Netflix have a show called Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually on Amazon. But that's on Amazon. On Net- yeah, okay. And it's on both. Yeah. So would you be? So would you be considered blasphemous for saying Christ on a cross? <laughs> <laughs> which? How, what does? What is blasphemy? Is it taking the Lord's? It's taking the Lord's name in vain, isn't it? I guess, yeah. But if he's just riding a bike, can it? You know, it's just yeah. kicking yeah. around, having a good time on a bike. I always thought of that as intravenous Christ, taking the Lord's name in vain. Mm. Before we move on <laughs> with the show, I've got a fun game for us to play. Oh, no. It's called What's in Keith's Quality Street since 1963. Tin. I can't play because I know you exactly know what's in there. there. So, are we allowed to shake this? To you can do whatever the, whatever you like. Can we feel the weight of this tin? Yeah, you can feel the weight of the tin. I know what's in it. So you have to have a feel. And... Okay, okay. Only 100% accurate uh, descriptions will be allowed. It feels lighter than expected. There seems to be a lot of whatever it is in there. Mm. Alright. 
I'm going to take a guess that it's like, you know, when you go to an office to visit for a day and you, you sign up for, so you have to put like one of those name badges on and you get some of those clip things. It's like made of plastic. What do you mean like it, for work experience? Yeah, like it's a clip badge, like an office clip badge. That's what I'm going to guess is inside. Okay. Ryan? I can't tell you whether you're anywhere near right or wrong. What are you going with? This sounds plastic. It's definitely something plasticky. I'm thinking Lego. <laughs> well, there's certainly there is certainly Lego around yeah. the building. I think it's going to be something really mundane, like <laughs> loose cables or something like that. Keep open up the tennis. No, you can you can open okay. it. You can open it. So there can be no there can be no shenanigans involved here. <laughs> <laughs> It contains biscuits. Half eaten biscuits that we've just shaken and broken more. It contains Napoleon, Napoleon cubes. I, I don't believe there are any of those left. So apparently we've found key to secret biscuit stash. It's not, it's not my secret biscuit stash. It's the, it's the biscuits that I have for uh, project participants. You um, disappoint me because it's usually a sewing kit in those clothing. <laughs> I'm a bit annoyed as well because I'm on a biscuit ban for a month and that's tempted me. <laughs> well, I've got... Did it stop you from eating the donuts? Though, that's it? not a biscuit. <laughs> for some reason, I've got several hundred packets of rich tea, Aldi rich tea biscuits, so you could always have those. Rich tea is the most pointless of biscuits. It doesn't serve the purpose that it's built for. It does. It's brilliant. I've it found that rich tea not, biscuits are great. It does not serve the purpose it is made for. Because you can have the biscuit and not feel guilty about it. Yes, but if you try and dunk it in tea, which is what it's designed for, it will inevitably... Break as soon as it comes into contact with water, and you're left with biscuit at the bottom. You well, you're doing and two things wrong there. One, drinking tea, which is a mistake in itself, and then dunking things in it. That's are, things. are you actually British, Keith? I'm as British as uh, any fine, upstanding member of various organisations. Talking, talking of being British, uh, we are a fine British Birmingham slash, slash podcast, film podcast yes. uh, that don't block people online uh, for their perfectly <laughs> legitimately great opinions about barrel scraping content. Oh. Um, so we thought we'd talk about a few films that have been out recently. So I'm going to shout some films at you. Um, oh, I thought we were going to talk about flowers. <laughs> oh, you know, we can talk about flowers. Daisies! Um, so Poppies! What, what films have flowers Clematis. in? Um, can we talk about films with rubbish in the title? Uh, films with flowers in. Uh, well, you said adaptation. Adaptation, yeah. Uh, it's the only one I could think of. I said American Beauty, but I said we were not going by that with a barge pole. And I think that was, so we're done with that content. So let's yeah. go back to cool. actually talking about proper film. Cool. <laughs> um, Yellow Submarine has flowers drawn in it. Does it? There you go. Wow, we really uh, we got to the bottom of that. Um, <laughs> the investigative journalism here on Geeky Room. <laughs> two hours and two minutes. Um, right, okay, so um, John Wick Free Keith, lay, lay this on you. Lay the smack down on you. I, I liked it. Good, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't think it was as good as two. I think two is... It, it, with any trilogy, two is usually your yeah. watermark movie. I, I just thought this one, John wasn't the driving force of the story. He was reacting to everything else that was going on around yeah. him. He was being pushed from situation to situation and was reacting against what was going on. Um, They've already confirmed John Wick 4. Yeah, so. I, that was the other disappointing thing about it. Was that I was hoping that it would wrap up the story so that he would just wipe out the high table and yeah. everything would be reset so that he could just go and live. With, with, with another with dog. The, with the dog that he's got. 
Um, but yeah, it was just one long extended chase sequence across various countries. And the, although the fight sequences and the choreography was had been pushed up, I think they sacrificed the the character of Wick to the action. What is it um, called? Parallel parallelogram. Parallelum. Parallelum. Parabellum. Parabellum. It's the art of war. It's kind of like it means uh, something like yeah, the art of war. Well, what they just call it, John Wick Three: The Art of War. Why don't just call it John Wick Chapter Three? Yes. Like you don't need anything else. Yes. But, John, John Wick Chapter Three: Florist. The art of designing flowers. Guns and Roses. So, yeah, it looked, still, looked fantastic. Still solid movie. Well, yeah, as action movies go, you can't beat it. Well, that's the joy of the John Wick franchise, isn't it? It's brain-turning-off films. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to pay attention to the plot because there really isn't one. I admit, admittedly, mm-hmm. I've only seen the first one, but it was exactly what you said, and it was great fun. Yeah. I, I, I did not like the first one, so I did not watch any of the others. Because you the only dog... watched the first ten minutes. Yeah, because the dog dies. The <laughs> hell, man? Like, but what the hell? You should enjoy this film, because this is the entire franchise is his vengeance for the dog. I don't care if the dogs are... The cute dog is dead. Like, I, I, I don't want to see another dog. I don't want to see a dog die. Simple as. I do not want to see a dog die. You, you get another doggo Yeah, later but it doesn't matter. That dog is still dead. This like, film has three doggos did he, did he kill They have by... two awesome dogs in it as well. Yeah. Killed Ooh. by bloody Alfie Allen as well Fionn Greyjoy like playing <laughs> off a bloody dog nah man having a nah but uh, yeah it didn't it didn't get to the point at the end as well the ending was just uh, a little bit it, it was ready for the next film most, but... yeah but st- for me 2 is still the pinnacle of the John Wick franchise at this moment was Ian McShane love during it up again dun, well, Ian McShane's always good value dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah it's a quality actor right I'll drop this one on you then I might have been the only person who saw this one Aladdin Nope. 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 Oh, it wasn't great. <sighs> I mean, like, okay, I went with Laura. She actually really enjoyed it. I haven't seen the Disney original. I got quite bored by this, and it was quite silly, and Will Smith wasn't that great. Wiki, and... Wiki Will. Wiki Will. Like, Wiki I've, Will. I, yeah. My main thing with this is they've released some of the songs that he's done, and I'm like, they didn't go for Will Smith mm. rap theme song, and I'm like, well, I'm out. That's the only thing that would have sold me on the film. Yeah, they could have brought Jazzy Jeff in as another side character. That would have been fine. Yeah, like just just let's have Wild Wild West, Men in Black, all that stuff. I wanted that for Aladdin. (laughs) But my most important thing for me about this is is what stylistic quirks did Guy Ritchie bring to it? Did he do all of his kind of like slow motion stuff and all the rest of it? Is is it is it visibly a Guy Ritchie movie? Did it sound like EastEnders in the Middle East? (laughs) No. Oh blimey, Governor, you carpet's flying there. No, no, it was, uh, it was uh, He just needs to make Sherlock Holmes 3. He doesn't. Sherlock Holmes 2 was terrible. <laughs> Alright, next one. And then we'll do, we'll do a couple of like upcomers that we might be looking forward to. Uh, next one. Uh, did you do what else about Godzilla? What, what, did, what did you think of that? It, it got critically panned, didn't it? Well, yeah, only because it was imbeciles. Dull. <laughs> what? It was boring. It was like nuts. I don't care what Eleven's doing. I don't care what family <laughs> drama Eleven's got. Like I just don't give a damn. None of the characters it were likable. I like Bradley Whitfield as an actor. Didn't like him in it. That like, oh my god, Silla. 
moment. This is the cringiest moment I've ever seen on film. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, I like. I wanted to see more of monsters bashing, you know, the, the crap out of each other. Basically, barely got any of it. Like it was occasionally like, oh, we got some family drama going on. Oh yeah, like monsters are fine again. Oh yeah, but like family drama stuff, like family drama stuff. I mean, like Tywin Lannister wasted. What happened to him at the end of that? He just vanished. You know Utterly pointless. Love, I would love a Godzilla movie with no people in it. No, no kind of like. But, crap, uh, but like... this is exactly the why it was panned because people didn't like. They wanted more human characters to empathise with, and it's like, yeah, I, I just I agree with Guy that I would have liked more monster action. Yeah. Like... I didn't think the human interaction stuff was particularly. That's why I mean, duff. Remove the human interaction. You don't need it in a Godzilla movie. People watching Godzilla movies for one thing. That is a big monster kicking the crap out of another big monster. Surely the only people who should be in a Godzilla movie are people pointing up at Godzilla and going, Oh, it's Godzilla! Or getting stomped on. Yeah. Nobody wants to care about the human condition. They want to see a big monster whack the crap out of another big monster. I mean, it can be done. Shin Godzilla had a lot of human interaction, which was commentary. It was weird, like, the way Godzilla gets, like, kind of, like, for a city and then gets, like, big. Like, it's like, what's going on? Shin Godzilla's a stunning piece of work, and and I I really liked what Michael Doherty did did with this. It was great. It was like, you know. That was the other problem with the Pacific Rim movies. It's too much (laughs) human interaction. We don't care about that. Yeah. I mean, a certain a certain genre of fan is that's what they want. What I did, what I also didn't take away from it particularly that I liked was the idea that the, the designs that have come from sixty odd years ago yeah. were infinitely better than the cobblers they come up with for new monsters now. Yeah. It's like nobody can design a good monster anymore. Yeah, you know, it's like, Poke- well, like nobody can design yeah. a good Pokemon anymore. <laughs> All the good Pokemon designs have gone. Yeah, um, apart oh, from ma- making Hulu a alone. making a rabbit <laughs> on fire. Um, that's disturbing <laughs> but I, I liked it what I loved about it was the fact that um, Bear McCreary who'd done the score for it who's mostly done like TV stuff nailed it with all of the classic themes I love that score that score's fantastic it's a great great he, score he also did the God of War reboot as well yeah but that was brilliant I loved it I thought it was great alright Detective Pikachu uh, again I'll dip in first on this I actually thought it was the utter trash uh, I just did not understand this. I'm going to get torn apart this. This was the silliest thing I've ever seen. I just did, did not. Did you not even like the Pikachu model? Uh, kind of cute, but I don't like Ryan Reynolds. I I just liked it. I went into I went in to see this when Game of Thrones finale ends. So I needed something just to kind of like block the day away. I just like <laughs> didn't. My head just could not get around this. I fell asleep at one point. I just thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But I don't feel like I'm the target audience for it. I feel like I was not. Have you ever played a Pokemon? Not game? really. No. Yeah, so yeah. it just to me it just seems like silliness, and I don't didn't get the jokes. That's, and... that's the thing. Like I reviewed this because I really enjoyed it, and I basically said that this is the best video game movie ever made, and that's a low bar, admittedly. But you're it's... saying it's better than Mortal Kombat with Christopher Lambert, yes, pretending yes, to be a, <laughs> a Japanese god. Don't, don't be dissing Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I am the god. Bonjour. That's a big part of why it was such a good adaptation of its material is the fact that it isn't ashamed of being a video game movie. It is very clear on its. It's very referential of its source material. Yeah. So I can absolutely understand <laughs> why. If you don't know which Pokemon are which, yeah, yeah, it's going to be really hard. As if you don't know what Mewtwo is, yeah, it, it, I, 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 I have felt like some somebody had something on Bill Nye to be honest. With knowledge of of the Pokemon universe, but I don't think he excluded people that had no Pokemon um, sense. I, I thought it worked really brilliantly because they didn't 
rely too much mm -hmm. on the, on prior knowledge of video games. Mm -hmm. It was a cute story about a furry little yellow thing and a kid <laughs> solving some kind of mystery. Yeah. And it was great. Mm -hmm. It was really good. It was funny. The, the 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 design work was stunning. The way they they created the three the three D versions of all mm -hmm. the Pokemon were fantastic. I loved every single one of them, and I would buy a toy collection mm -hmm. of all of those if they put them out. Even Licky Tongue. Even Licky Tongue, yeah. But uh, it just it worked. It was really good, and the you know the whole thing was really good. It was kind of like a Shazam did the month before again, it just Shazam. went. We're going to make a fun movie that everybody mm -hmm. can watch. That's that's what I said about it. It's like. It's not doing anything revolutionary. It's not no. doing anything deep, but it's not trying to do any of those things. It's Certain, just trying to be a fun time. Yeah, it put it me in mind of why I like films from the certain period in the 80s. It put me in mind of the likes of things like Ghostbusters and Gremlins and Goonies and Explorers, a movie that you just went to and went, that was great. I loved it. I had fun. It's mm -hmm. going to be one of those films that kids are going to grow up and they're going to remember fondly. And mm -hmm. You're going to see it every Christmas. I think it's a pretty much a guaranteed yeah. film completely. Okay, so we're whipping things through quite quickly because we're, we're, we're having a quick show today. But um, let's talk about three that are up and coming. So one we've talked about before, two we actually haven't touched on on this show, which look quite promising. Uh, first one, Toy Story 4, which I'm going to be racing off to go and see straight after this. Not uh, required. I, I'm, I'm Not required. I was surprised. I was, I was against the idea of it, but then I was surprised to see the reviews that it's people have said that this is... It is good and it is you will change your mind about whether you thought it was required or not when you've seen it i'm actually genuinely really looking forward to seeing it I, i'm hoping they said it's going to break your heart again which is kind of what i want i i, I feel like i feel like if <laughs> i feel like if, it's, if they're going to do it one more time like do it on a high note again just just i'm excited for it i wasn't excited for it but i am excited for it now mm. i'm it feels like this has been more of an excuse for merchandising rather than anything else because I walk past the Disney store and it is just 90% Toy Story in there at the minute. But I feel like it's a nice nostalgia trip because we've all grown up with Toy Story. And like for us, it's kind of like, it's nice to see another one on screen. Whereas maybe the younger kids, and they didn't necessarily grow up with Toy Story like we did. Like so they Toy don't Story, know us as much. I feel like Toy Story 3 already kind of covered that though. Yeah, and I think the problem with Pixar at the minute is they're just going back off the cupboard mm. and pulling franchises to mm. put a sequel onto that don't need it go and make something original again but it's always nice to see these characters but Pixar are in the difficult position that when they do make something new and original everybody goes oh it's not Toy Story so they're in a difficult position in terms of that because I liked Coco I like things like The Good Dinosaur I liked kind of stuff but I've not, I'm, I'll watch Toy Story it's because it's Toy Story I like those characters I'm interested in what they're going to do with it and also Keanu Reeves is in it so oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Okay, the next one. Uh, I'm really. I don't know what to think about this. Uh, yesterday. <sighs> right. So, uh, this my is... first thought about this yesterday thing, and this is an idea that if everybody in the universe has forgotten the Beatles, right? But every other musical genre has happened in the meantime. Yeah, they wouldn't have. Who the heck is going to like a Beatles mo a song if somebody plings around it now? Because. That people aren't going to be into that sound. Yeah, some of them are, some of their songs. If you They're just going like, to be like, yeah, it's been yeah that's a bit boring. I'm not bothered. Um, the other thing is, isn't 90% of the music that's been post the Beatles had some Beatles influence well, in like, it too? Yeah, you got, like, I, in my head, because like, obviously I'm a massive Beatles fan, uh, I, I do like the Stones and I've been buying Stones stuff more, but like, if you put your head, like, your head, head to it, so if the Beatles didn't exist, the Stones would then be the biggest band in the world. You know, yeah. like they the would biggest be the biggest band of all time. Yeah. yeah, and then like the whole musical landscape would have changed as a yeah. result. The Stones yeah. being would the biggest have been band, a heavier rock, heavier rock, blues yeah. influence more, like because the Stones would have been the template. Yeah, 
because they never did the psych really did the psychedelic pop stuff the Beatles did you know the, the they never did the cheesy yeah. kind of like you know like twist you and shout without stuff. the Beatles we wouldn't have had cooler shaker <laughs> <laughs> But I just, I can't, I can't get any of the jokes in it. So yeah. there's one in the trailer where they're like, oh, what about Coldplay, Fix You? It's kind of like, yeah, well, that wouldn't have happened, would it? That song would not exist. I know, I know, without we, I know two songs that definitely wouldn't have happened without the Beatles, and that's both Let Forever Be and Set in Sun by the Chemical Brothers. Yes. Because that were both their attempts to try and remake Tomorrow Never Knows. Exactly. So. I feel like I feel like this is just like another another Richard Curtis madness idea, which has gone out of control. Like all of his films. Like I love the boat that rocked. I think that's what that is probably the best film he's done. However, it's a great film about pirate radio. However, it gets let down by this highly ridiculous ending that like the boat collapsed and then all their fans all of a sudden came out and rescued. It's a typical Richard Curtis nonsense moment, which takes away from actually what could be a good plot of a film. And the fact that Danny Danny Boyle has dipped his fingers into Richard Curtis's pie here, I don't, I just don't <laughs> understand what's going on. It just looks ridiculous. I like the fact Kate McKinnon's in it, and I fancy Lily James, so I'm all right with that. I think if you're kind of interested in this movie, go and see Sunshine and Leaf and Sing Street beforehand mm. and you'll get your kind of musical fix thing especially if you like the Proclaimers it's, it's just an excuse to get as many Beatles songs into a film as possible oh yeah like everybody, everybody loves the Beatles it's kind of like we'll do some really weird Beatles songs in it. Like, let's, let's hear I Want You She's So Heavy in it let's, yeah. you know, let's hear uh, I Me Mine you know, let's yeah. hear some really obscure stuff you're not going to get any of that you know exactly what it's going to be it's going to be the White Album Sergeant Pepper oh maybe a little bit. you know yeah. I mean, the, McCart- the McCartney hits package it'll be, it'll be a feel good movie but the internal logic of the whole film is probably fatally flawed yeah. yes Okay, this is the final one. This is kind of cropped up from nowhere, and I didn't see Hereditary, but I feel like Midsummer is going to be a highly essential this, and disturbing this, watch. This feels like it's going back to that 70s British horror scene, stuff like... Um, the Wicker Man. Wicker Man, yeah. It felt very Wicker Man inspired, and it's, yeah. it just feels very cheap, but... I don't think it feels cheap. Like, I thought Hereditary looked like one of those cheap Annabelle-type horror films. And then when I was told about it, people said, actually, no, it's quite it's quite a good horror film. It's really well made. It doesn't come across like these cheap psychological horror films that come out on Halloween. So I felt like I misjudged that. And then looking at Midsummer. It doesn't. It doesn't look cheap. It looks different. It looks like they've tried, tried to do something different here. The fact it's a highly colourful, bright horror film is something you don't see that often. Well, that's why I'm feeling such Wicker Man vibes because that was just done in the daylight, and this feels like it's very much. I feel like it'll be a, like a tribute to that, yeah. but I do feel that like it looks different to the the usual slow of horrors that come out like now, like The Nun and all that fact. I feel like this looks like something. A yeah. bit different. It certainly looks in the guy Halford wheelhouse. Yeah, I think difference. like it's going to be something I love. But I'm I'm genuinely looking forward. I'm terrified to go and see it. To be honest, I think it's going to be horrendous and disgusting. Although, but... just very quickly at the end, uh, although I've not read the book and I'm aware of its presence, um, Doctor Sleep trailer yes. recently. No, I kind of, no, I watched no, that no. and I was like, okay, I'm quite I'm quite into this. I, I'm interested. I would like to know more. In my favorite. Would you like to know more? Yeah, my favourite exactly. sci-fi movie. Play. Yeah. yeah, I thought it looked alright, actually. I thought, yeah, nice one. I, I I feel like it's like trying to do a sequel to, like, if you try to do a sequel to a Wes Anderson film or to a Tarantino film, you don't try and do a sequel to a Kubrick film. You just leave it just leave it alone. Like, some directors, you don't try and follow up their work. You just, just And I know that it's a follow-up book, but at the end of the day, The Shining is so iconic and it looks so so you know it's it's got such a look don't try to ape the shining but then that's the same topic then i wouldn't take it seriously as a sequel 
I can't take it seriously as a follow-up piece if it doesn't but follow it, the template of what... It did everything a trailer should do yeah. and made me go, hmm, okay, colour me interested. It made an actual trailer rather than just here's the entire yeah. plot of the movie thrown at your face. Yeah, I was quite interested by that. Yeah. Right, flipping over to TV, what some of the TV highlights that we've seen recently. Has anybody seen Chernobyl? God, that was bleak. It was it, it, fantastic TV. It's some of the best TV. It was my kind of Game of Thrones palate cleanser. And it is bleak. It is one of the bleakest, darkest TV series that I've ever seen. But my, it engages you. I, you know, I couldn't get on board with it. I just didn't I didn't get why the big hype was about it. I found it really bleak. I found it really dull. Uh, it did allow me to make an amazingly sarcastic comment uh, because... Uh, obviously, I've known before about my colleague that ruins uh, TV shows at work. Yeah. Uh, she was talking about this. And I quite loudly said, you can't ruin this, can you? Because it really happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that did take me out a little bit, because they've used mainly British character actors in this. Yeah. And they haven't done the stupid Russian accents, which is one of the things I really appreciate. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it Finchy in it from The Office? <laughs> yes. But the thing that got me was the dad from Friday Night Dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like every time he like talks about like like nuclear we- nuclear waste, it's kind of like wanting to say bambinos or like you know like shit on it. What, nice bit of squirrel or something like that. I guess that's if you the, that's the only thing you can get if, away. If with. you like if you like that, I haven't seen it yet. But it sounds like the kind of thing that if uh, I, there was a show in the eighties called Edge of Darkness with Bob yes. Peck, which was stunning. TV if, if you've ever watched that seventies nuclear drama, the one I can't remember the name Survivors. of Survivors. Yeah. It's very kind of similar vein that's, to it. Yeah, that's plague. That it, one. It's pretty it's it's dark, it's there is no humour in it at all, as you'd probably expect, but I would really suggest checking it out if you like that kind of stuff. Cool. Black Mirror. I, it needs to stop now. It's, it needs it's to... a weird one. Like I enjoyed the season, but it didn't feel like Black Mirror. It, I was, it wasn't a season for a start off. It was yeah. half, three episodes. The first two seasons are three episodes, though. So, But that was when it was yeah. being made in Britain. Yeah. Yes. And now it's got Netflix money behind yeah. it. You expect a full season. You don't expect Charlie Brooker. To... I don't think since it moved to Netflix, it's actually been as good as it was no. before. I think Bandersnatch was an interesting experiment. Yeah, I feel like that's maybe where a lot of the money for this season went. It was yeah. pretty into Black Bandersnatch. And then... I feel I feel like of the three episodes, um, I feel like the best one was the second one, Andrew Scott and Topher Grace. But even so, that that like the more like older Black Mirror. But even so, it, it, it still I wasn't sure what the message was he was trying to get across of it. Like it felt like old Black Mirror, but it wasn't clever enough to be old Black Mirror as well. Yeah, like I actually felt that like that was the closest to Black Mirror, but I also felt that it was the weakest. It, it's gone into stunt casting. Just because that whole episode felt like it was just treading the same ground that the series had treaded before and in a way that wasn't as effective. Yeah. It was pretty much just, oh, social media has bad effects. And it's like, you've, you've already kind of done that with things like the National Anthem. And, yeah. yeah. 50 million merits, whatever yeah, that one was. Yeah. That's pretty much a social media group. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I think the problem is now, as you've said, is really struggling for a yeah. new take on things yeah. he's pretty much covered every angle he can do under this whole mm-hmm. social media ban and I said it's become a victim of stunt casting putting Miley Cyrus into an episode uh-huh. it's stunt casting it's not uh-huh. you're not putting but she in. was very good in it she yeah, was very, she was very good, good but it, that's where it's been pushed from it so and, and it's I, not being pushed on these are the plots it's yeah. been these are the people appearing in and the I will series. say that they've released the wrong version of Head Like a Hole that you recorded yeah. they need to put the actual version at the end on, on Spotify because that is so good. 
<laughs> this is the thing. It's it's all the marketing has been about these are the people appearing in Black Mirror and not mm-hmm. the people, who, not the actual point of it, which was you're watching it for the plot at the end of the day. Yeah. See, I actually quite enjoyed the Miley Cyrus episode, even if it was a little bit like it started on one story and ended on another. It's it was very on the nose as well. Wasn't it, it? Yeah, and I feel like. It's typical Charlie Brooker doing his more parody writing yeah. role in the Black Mirror style. I think that's right why I enjoyed it because it was like, because it was a fun episode at least, but it yeah. did not feel like Black Mirror. Yeah, I think it's it's drifted a long way away from where we were when something like Dead Set, yeah, was brilliant. Yeah, in that kind of like taking a, a, a an actual scenario and kind of spinning it out into what if. So I think it needs more of that kind of slightly mm. more what ify, like this isn't really going to happen. But what if it did? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't need to be as on the nose as it has been. Because this is kind of the problem I had with that third episode was just the fact that it started out as kind of the message being like, you've got this lonely teenage girl who kind of uses, who kind of connects with this AI, and this is. But yeah, the question in... there of that is like, is that you know an acceptable friendship, or does she need to go out and get? And oh. all this kind of. But then it just kind of halfway through becomes about. Miley Cyrus's character, and yeah. we dropped the entire first half. I mean, that's already being explored in something like her. Yeah, or it's actually been explored in Sam Junipero to a certain extent. He's already covered that ground. I mean, even like what was Be Right Back kind yeah. of covered it as well. Like, obviously, that was kind of a copy of an actual person, but it was still yeah. an AI. Yeah, we're into variations of a theme yeah. now, and I think Black Mirror is starting to really struggle. I think it needs to be be it needs to be more British again. Yeah, uh-huh. I think the kind of uh, mid Atlantic kind of American sensibility. Yeah, just doesn't isn't hitting no. where Charlie Booker's kind of which like, is kind of why the second one felt the most like yeah. Black Mirror because it was the most British of the three. And I think it relies on having Charlie Booker's British dark sense of humour, which mm-hmm. has to be mm-hmm. toned down for the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not. It's not that stories can't be set in the US. They can no. be set anywhere. Yeah. It just needs that sensibility. It needs that yeah. tone yeah. to come back to Rob. That's the thing that British people do quite well is bleak. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> I think we live it every day. Yeah. That's why yeah. we live in a country where the sky is just grey. Yeah. So yeah. Right. What we do in the shadows, the TV series. I have loved every minute of this. Um, the one. The one thing is, I think the pacing on the episode has been slightly wrong. I think they should have ended on the council episode. Yeah. And it's kind of the two episodes afterwards felt a bit more like a coda rather than the actual... But I'd take that coda yeah. that they had over a lot of other yes. shows, yeah. last two episodes. Yeah. Um, but And it feels like we haven't had enough because it's only been a ten episode run. Yeah. And the way the BBC have shown it is done it in two episode blocks. Yeah. Um, if you've been watching... Not. I've been watching it in pace. Sorry, yes. tapping on tapes. Um I mean, yeah, any show that does a call back to the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yes, please. Yes. More of that, please. But it's it's I I've I've pretty much enjoyed every single minute of it. And I think the casting has actually been superb. I'm not a huge Matt Berry fan, but I think I think his version of Laszlo I've really enjoyed. Well, Matt Berry is Matt Berry. Yeah, I think that's a good. That's the good thing about that is he's just himself. But the fact that yeah. it's all British, it's all Brits as a yes. core cast is fantastic. I did notice 
what's her name Natalie Demutio yeah she got she a new broke, show on what's it she did break her accent in one episode so she did yeah she did say yeah I, <laughs> she saw, said I saw one that thing as well very British and I was like yeah ah, hello <laughs> that's where it's popped out from but it's great because it's t- it's taken the the film yeah but still done its own thing because the whole thing was supposed to be Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement was supposed to be involved in the whole series they got the green light and then Taika Waititi also got Thor Ragnarok at the same time. So he's basically just left it all to Jermaine Clement. Mm. And I think it's actually worked to get his humour out yeah. of it. Because I think the Taika Waititi stuff is great. But he's more of your kind of... If you've watched the original film, he's more like the Pratt Falls. More silent comedy. Yeah. Whereas Jermaine Clement relies on the actors bringing in their own yeah. comedy. There's a great episode with Animal Control. Which yeah. is just... A work of genius it's, it's stunning the only thing that now is I want to I want us to be able to get um, Wellington Paranormal um, there's another show yes. they did which has been in New Zealand which is about the police dealing with paranormal activity in Wellington yeah. which is kind of cool but yeah it was, this, this season's been great it's, be, it's been it's already been confirmed that they're right the second yeah it's laugh out loud for now so I, I, I really recommend it it's, been, it's still on iPlayer so go and watch it if you're not captured caught it up with it yeah and I think they dropped the original film on iPlayer because they showed it last week, last week, last episode. Yeah, so I, I think it's still on there. Well, if you haven't got it in your collection already, what are you yeah, doing? Go go and buy it now. Yeah, buy all of Tiger Batista stuff. Go buy Eagle versus Shark, which is a great film, which doesn't get enough love. And Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Hunt for the World of People. Go buy his entire collection. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot. Of, it's not a big collection. Yeah. Any other TV? Well, Good Omens. Come on. Then. Well, the greatest. Before we move on to that show. Just to one that's coming up that we should all be watching, and that's Final Space Season 2. Yes. Because I'm super hyped for that. That looks great. So, Guy, you are not a big fan of the original series. Yeah, so, like, I hadn't heard of the show until we did our end of year roundup, and, you know, obviously it came up as being a really great thing. So I was like, I'll check this out, and it just did nothing for me. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. I think the problem is if you don't empathise with the main character pretty early on you're not gonna get, yeah. get it because I think it was kind of like it's basically imagine Futurama but bleak and dark and mm. depressing and if you don't have that engagement with the Fry Light character in it you're, right. gonna, you're yeah. gonna struggle yeah I think that was the problem like I just I just didn't get anything out of it I watched a few episodes and just it became apparent that I was just, I was trying to watch through it it became apparent that I was only watching it because I was trying to force myself to watch it and I had no real desire to keep watching it so I just went screw it then I mean the bit I always enjoyed about it was the first 30 seconds before the main titles every episode where mm. it's ne- never really mentioned what's going on mm. there was no, it was always a flash forward but they just dropped you in cotwood every mm. single time yeah. and it was great and it was kind of it's nice to see something different from the animation that's what I really enjoyed about it it, it took something and it told an yeah. adult story without mm-hmm. having to be adult yeah yeah without having to show a pair of boobs at the, the season two trailer was just i was like yeah yeah we're back we're more 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 and it was like yeah i'm just so yeah. so looking forward to that yeah and i think it's not really much else coming out we're going into the bit of the summer fallow period now well i've got the new season of jessica jones to watch uh which has dropped but i haven't got i haven't got around to that yet i think this is the final 
one before what Defender season two to wrap up this year. But well, this is it. That's it now. Is it? Jessica Jones is the last thing that will be on. I thought Netflix. they were doing one more Defender season. No, no, really. no this is all, this is all of it as Netflix goes on. Although Catch Twenty Two also started on Channel Four. Yes, recently. Which, uh, one on my list to watch. Should be good. George me. Clooney's returned to TV after since what ER was the last thing. Uh, possibly as TV. Yeah, except for an episode of Friends. Yeah. Or a hundred thousand Nespresso ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm looking forward to that. It looks pretty good, solid casting. It looks quite mm. interesting. Hugh Laurie back on TV with a British accent for a change. <laughs> Go on then. Good omens. Well, I'm behind the pace on this because I am literally drip feeding it to myself <laughs> because I cannot. Because it's only six episodes and that's yeah. going to be it. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. There's no, no, it's not going to be a good omens two. No. More omens. Um, so I'm drip feeding it, so I'm only on episode three. I'm also on episode three because I'm also drip feeding it <laughs> yeah. to myself. I just don't but want it to end. Every minute so far has been glorious. Yeah. I need to watch this because it does look good, but I just haven't got around to start yeah. watching it yet. It's, it's think, just, I think the casting is mostly okay. I'd say 95% perfect, except yeah. for maybe the Sergeant Witchfinder. Oh, oh, I don't know. It's, it's that terrible Brit Scottish accent. Well, yeah, he is. He is uh, Nigel. No, is he Nigel Snuffkins? I can't remember which one of the Spinal Tap he yeah, says. He's he is, one of the Spinal um, Tap. Yeah, but yeah. his British accent, his uh, Scottish accent, yeah. is not great. I'm actually surprised how good Jack Whitehall has been in it. Because yeah. he's normally a person I want to turn through yeah. things. At. But he's, he's, he's being a character rather than himself in this, yeah. which is quite useful. But I think the casting for Crowley and Aziraphale is perfect. Uh, yeah, kind of. I'm still a little bit. Mm, I'm not 100 percent sold on the two of them. I think the way they're doing it is great. Um, I think but I still re- see David Tennant and Michael Sheen, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think if they'd made it 15, 20 years ago, oh yeah, yeah, yeah possibly would have been. But then it would never have got made uh, that long ago. I mean, yeah. John Hamm's yeah, John Hamm. John Hamm, which yeah. is really good. And uh, um, Francis from David as the voice of God works perfectly. Yeah, it would have been funnier if it had been uh, Alanis Morissette. Quite <laughs> uh, and I think I, that would have been a reference too far. Yeah, yeah and I, I do have to like slightly swoon uh, at Anathema. Uh, that's worked for me quite well. Oh, yes. Which is, um, just the whole costume thing yeah. on that. I'm like, what are you doing? This is the kind of thing that when I was 15, 16, 17, 18 would have been like, and then you have a, you know, I know there's a Tori Amos song to look forward to later on. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, you're just hitting all the right buttons here. Yeah. Um, I think the one that, one thing I enjoy most of it is you can tell my, uh, Neil Gaiman has been very careful to keep the Pratchett humour running through oh, it. Yeah. And he hasn't just turned it into a Neil Gaiman thing, which could have been a risk. But, but I don't think, he would have never allowed it. No. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's always been the thing that him and Terry wrote together. Yeah. And I don't think he would have ever have... Yeah, I think I was reading the Sunday Times interview. They passed the book back and forth so many yeah. times is they actually lost track of who wrote what bit. Yeah. It's just one big... I do, I do like as well that when they did the the original screening at the cinema in London, whatever, they put Terry's hat and scarf yeah, on the chair. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. Terry, Terry would be quite happy. Uh at this, and I mean, it's weird as well because it's such an it's an it's fairly early on in his career. Yeah. Um. So that the idea that like the people that are digging this and might be buying Good Omens as a book. Yeah. The idea that there is so many books that get even better. Yeah. Than that, and it's like I've had a few people say, "Oh, what other Terry Pratchett books should I rec- should I read?" Because all of them. I don't. Know. <laughs> you just go, you know, 
Yeah, um, I'm, yes. still, I'm still trying to catch up on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think the I've earlier actually... ones, the earlier ones show there. Yes, mm-hmm. he's not quite found his voice. I've actually got a first edition of the last of this rule book, which I refuse to read because that suits me. It's a big problem for me because I keep trying to start it, but then I, know I did. It's, it's the last book. I did do that. I did it for about a year, and then eventually went. Now I'm going to read it. And there's an initial part of it where you yeah. kind of get a little bit overwhelmed, yeah, because you know that's it. Um, but then it's just great, and it's the, the the beauty of Terry's writing is the fact that it's just so lyrical, and yeah. it just it just flows off mm-hmm. the page, and yet makes so many interesting philosophical yeah. and humanistic points and it's, it's like literally all the Terry Pratchett books should be required reading for people to, to get what being a human being is all and about it, and it does all that without being preachy yeah, yeah. it does it by just being funny yeah. and entertaining I don't think there's anybody ever in the history of mankind now previous or future who will ever use the footnote the joy because <laughs> yeah, every single footnote is it's a so yeah. individual jewel of a story yeah. yeah but i mean he's he's there in in the kind of like there's three people that i think have, have been hugely influential on the kind of person i ended up being one was jim henson one was douglas adams and the other yeah. one was terry mm-hmm. pratchett and i think those three guys all yeah. saw the world in a very similar fashion for a very slightly distorted level yeah but it does give me hope for one TV series that we are going to get to see. <sighs> the Rihanna Pratchett's leaving. The Night Watch. Yeah. Mm. And I'm hoping if they can keep the standard that Good Omens have been, I'm hoping for really good things. Well, so I've been trying to cast it in my head ever since I've heard it announced. Mm. And it, it sometimes would have been Pete Postlethwaite 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm, I still hold a, a lot of affection for the Sky Productions, particularly Hogfather. Hogfather is great. Which is good. The colour the color of magic is terrible. Uh, I couldn't stand the shoehorning in of David Jason into every single one of them for and, no reason. And Samwise Gamgee, that whole thing didn't work at yeah. all. Uh, but I quite like the Moist One Lipquist uh, series yeah. as well. That was pretty good. Yeah, uh, Going Postal was well yeah, done because it, it's really good. Yeah, and again, good casting on that. I think. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty decent. So they've they've got form. They can do it if they get it right. Yeah. Um, but the Night Watch should be good if they get it right. Oh, I'm hoping so much that it's going to be where yeah. I expect it to be. But I'm quite happy if we don't get any more Terry Pratchett TV. I'm kind of like it's. I'm I'm very no. glad that Rihanna Pratchett has said no to anybody else ever touching yeah. the Discworld because mm-hmm. it's it's only up her for thing and it was as you said it's Terry's view on it was Terry's satire on the world basically yeah and nobody else should ever touch that because it was I don't think anybody else would do justice to that yeah and besides if you upset Christians you're doing something right yeah so <laughs> that's, that's always a plus uh, for us. Uh, and good on Netflix to say they're never going to make any more. Yeah. You know, just to appease that. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> just to so, that crowd. You know, let's applaud Netflix for being so upstanding mm-hmm. and uh, getting it. You know, doing a proper pratchet on it. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week, Keith. Where can we find you online? Right. This is just. I'm going to have to at some point remove the underscore in the Twitter <laughs> one, just so it makes life easier because. It's hardluck underscore hotel on Twitter only, and then without the underscore everywhere else, you squish the words hardluck and hotel together into one big word. 
Lee, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret, and you can find me on Twitter at The Cheap Ferret. Guy, which one of your many Twitter accounts do you want to tell us about today? I'm branded now, aren't I? So, um, yeah, uh, at CuriosityCrate underscore Twitter. <laughs> Not Curiosity underscore Crate. No, some, some, some douche already had that, and then they haven't used the account for years, so... Um, you can, like ask Twitter to reclaim people's accounts if they don't use them. Man, uh, couldn't you put something more imaginative than an underscore to put at the end of curiosity crate, <laughs> no. like an exclamation mark or a star or, or a, a number? You or know, curiosity crate DJ. Uh, Facebook.com slash curiosity crate vinyl guy h Instagram Mixcloud uh, Mixcloud.com slash curiosity crate. God, I am branded, aren't I? Said this. Final guy H, yeah. which isn't that's completely off brand. And, and the spurious underscore. Yeah, <laughs> you've not you didn't have a proper strategy meeting about your branding before you did this, did you, guy? <laughs> you didn't pay thirty people to sit around in a room with a whiteboard <laughs> screw. Yeah, stuff let's there. blue sky this uh, stuff. <laughs> and you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter at Brummy Girl Monday for the food oh. stuff when I actually do get around to restarting it. And you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Keith, your weekly comics roundup. We say weekly. It's, yeah. it's, 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 yeah, it's when it's, just subscribe and hit the notification button and then you'll know when it happens <laughs> yeah. rather than waiting each week. Also you might be surprised. on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm vacuuming. Uploaded by me. <laughs> and don't forget to check out Lee's weekly gaming roundup, yep. which is mostly weekly on a Friday. Yes, available next time. I'm pretty good at getting it up on a Friday. Yes. That's because you've had all week <laughs> <laughs> practice. <laughs> but my weekly written roundup yes. does go out every Wednesday yeah. about comics. That's yeah. that's regular as clockwork. Mm-hmm. Yes, and don't forget to check out the Twitter on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and supposedly yeah. Mondays and Tuesdays, which is supposed to be my Twitter days where I do nothing. But otherwise, geekybrewing.com. And thank you for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, do the usual. Tell all your friends. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.